guys, welcome to Slash Report. I'm Prue, and this week I am not joined by my typical partner in crime, MK, but I am joined by one of our favorite returning guests, Aya. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. So, one thing that you guys should know is that in addition to watching um, BBC Sherlock in her basement, Aya is like the only other person I know who actually watches the Fox television show, Almost Human. (laughs) Woo! It's a very lonely club here, you and I. I know, and I don't understand why that is, but I guess we can discuss that later in the podcast. Yeah, I have some I have some theories. Likewise. But we, should, but we should hash it out a little bit more. So, for those of you tuning in um, who don't know what Almost Human is, uh, we're going to do a quick recap before we dive into the guts of it. But before we do, if you do know what Almost Human is and you haven't watched the season finale yet, or if you aren't fully caught up, Both of us have seen all the episodes. This is going to be spoiler heavy. So, fair warning. Okay, and now that I assume everyone who is spoiler phobic has deleted this off of their podcast listening machines, Aya, let's talk about this show. What is the premise? What the hell happened this season? Why am I staring at Michael Ealy's beautiful face on my television, even though I'm always happy to see it there? Yes, well, okay, that last part is blamed on you and you alone. has nothing to do with the show. But, (laughs) yes... Okay, Almost Human, um, I'll, begin, I'll begin with the genres because it's a very genre show. It it's is. a police procedural, and it takes place in a sort of near-future cyberpunk setting. So lots of gratuitous ramen stands and Chinese characters or kanji everywhere, um, cute little drones in the air, that kind of thing. And the plot is that we are dealing with a police force in this future that can't keep up with the tech that criminals are using. And so every week, some criminal pulls off some ridiculous thing using new technology, and our heroes have to fight crime to deal with it. So that's the premise. But the really cool part, I think, is the characters. And so the title, Almost Human, refers to um, mostly the android cop. So it's a cop buddy show. And we have a human cop. Uh, John Kennex, who is played by Carl Urban, and those of you who have seen the new Star Trek movies would know him as Dr. McCoy. Or who have seen the Lord of the Rings movies would know him as... Was it Eomer? I'm almost torn about how to pronounce it, but I think it's Eomer. But I'm sure that there are like 14 Tolkienites who just like identified me as a fraud (laughs) coming to my house now. A thousand emails... I just, I don't know how to pronounce things. I'm sorry. I learned how to read from books. Yeah. Right. So we have John Kennex, who's this hard-ass cop. And he, before the series opens, he's ambushed. His whole team dies. And he's put in a coma for two years. And when he wakes up, he's been given a new partner, who is this android. He also Um, has lost a leg. So this is, this is like one of those weird threads, right? That I feel like they inserted in the beginning of the series, like forgot yes. about for like 10 episodes and then threw it in, like literally at the last five minutes of the season finale. But in the ambush, he loses a leg. So he has like a synthetic one, which looks so goddamn baller. I, I don't even know why he's unhappy. Yeah, I agree. Um, he has, you know, well, he has hangs about androids because an android refused to save his partner in the ambush. So I think he's just, rawr, android yes. things, synthetic things, hate. These and things so, don't have humanity, therefore they suck, blah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a really hilarious scene in the first episode where he's given one of these new androids. It's called the MX, 
uh, model. They're logic-based. Yes, and then he gets pissy at one point and just throws it out the window where it's promptly thrown under a bus, literally, and dies. And after that, his captain um, goes, okay, you know what? Let's give you this decommissioned android who is, you know, they were decommissioned because they were a little too human, but I think that's about what you need. Um, And this is Dorian, who's played by Michael Ely. I don't know what the hell he's been in, but he's a funny guy, so... Yeah, so they team up to be the the grizzled veteran cop and the wisecracking um, young cop who also happens to be an android. And together they fight crime. And if you guys um, think that Michael Ely's name sounds familiar and you're wondering what other buddy cop show has he been on, he was on the thoroughly forgettable and excruciating Common Law, which thankfully for all of us was canceled quickly. I've never heard of it. There must be a reason. It was it was a really dumb premise where basically him and his partner used to be really close. There was a big blowout, and then they get sent to marriage counseling, like a group marriage counseling <laughs> by their... Oh yeah, and you would sit there and you would think that like with that premise, it would be gold. It wasn't yeah. gold. It was the opposite oh. of gold. It was a complete absurdist waste of how charming Michael Ely is. And it was just like this awful, bleh, I don't even want it in my mouth. This almost human is vastly superior to it. Good, good. I'm very glad. But yes, I feel like that's a good place to start because you're mentioning uh, John Kennex, who I will just refer to as Kennex for the rest of this, throwing that... Um, MX-based android out the door is symptomatic of a larger sort of, like, conceptual problem that the show has, and I feel like probably contributes to why. Uh, Even though, like, this show should be, like, straight-on, crazy, built-for-prue catnip, (laughs) it was not. Like, it absolutely was not, right? Like, it had every single Mm -hmm. piece that I needed. It had Michael Ely, who is beautiful, and who I would, like, watch sit there and read me a grocery list. Like, I watched all of Common Law, right? Like, yeah, I regret that. Like, those are hours of my life I could get back, but I didn't want them because I watched Michael Ely in it instead. Um, I don't remember anything that happened, but he was on my television. That was therefore acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it had robots, right? It had so much robot, and it had... It had interesting depictions of futurism, right? There are pieces of technology and the way that they're integrated into life in a way that I still found accessible. So it wasn't like a lot of really hard sci-fi where I'm just like, this is so departed from my own lived experience that I can't even figure out how to access the story. It it had places like intelligently integrated so that I liked it, you know, and that I could sort of see it. Like, my great-grandchildren could have this sometime in their lives, and I think that's cool. Um, But the whole premise is that they want you to love this android, right? Like, you have to actually Mm -hmm. connect with him as a character. Right. But then you can't tell me that, like, for some reason, okay, this android is a real, is real, right? Like, this android... Mm -hmm rides that gray line between a machine and um, a living being of one kind or another. Right. And then, like, five minutes before that, throw something or throw someone who is basically the same construction as him out of a car door under a fucking bus and have it be okay. Right? Like, Kenix gets yelled at for destroying property. And then... But then, like, the next, the rest of the series is predicated on you being able to, like, 
take the view that this thing that was just considered property shortly mm-hmm. before is like a person with feelings and thoughts and that you have to be invested in them. If that's the case, then Kenix is a fucking monster and I don't like him. Like, I think that the way that they started that off, like them trying to make it him seem like his lack of love for technology and the android police officers seem understandable because of like his capital T tragic backstory and then him yes. like throwing this thing out of the bus was a real misstep for me because I instantly was like, whoa, that is not kosher. I don't know. I don't care if you like that person, right? Mm-hmm. You can't kill him. And even if you're viewing him as like a really obnoxious piece of workplace technology, you still can't throw it out of a window, right? Like that's not cool. Like what the hell is wrong with you? You clearly have anger issues and shouldn't even be back uh-huh. on the workforce if that's the case. Also, that means that I don't trust Dorian with you, right? And Dorian is the name of Michael Ely's character. Right. So I will, I will answer those. And I think I'll also tie into why I think it went down that path and what went right and what went wrong with that. Yeah. So one thing that I think almost human addresses intentionally or unintentionally is different gradations of human. Yeah. So, um, which is interesting because so at the top, I guess you have, or the most human you have, you know, naturally born human beings. Then you have Dorian, who was regarded pretty much most people as, as good as human. But the interesting thing is, it's also that even Dorian regards the MXs as creepy robots, which I think is creepy in its own right, but also really interesting. And there's a really great part where they show an MX naked, and he's a literal Ken doll. He has the jointy thing in his crotch. And, you know, whereas Dorian hilariously is fully functional. And there's a really great line where Kenneck says, um, so what do you do with your penis? And Dorian says, same thing as you do, nothing. <laughs> And yeah, that, I, mean, I really enjoyed that lot. That was story. great. That entire exchange was great, including but not limited to like for reasons, including but not limited to the fact that very isn't it during that conversation that Dorian scans balls. Kenix's yes. balls and basically like makes a semen is backing up joke at him. Yes, that was really wonderful, guys. For the record, I don't think that actually happens. I mean, like I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a scientist, and I don't specialize in testicles, but I'm reasonably sure that doesn't happen. <laughs> I will not comment on this. I will let the readers imagine for themselves. <laughs> Anyways, back yes. to topic at hand. Sorry. Uh, no, no, it's <laughs> fine. Um, so the thing is, I believe I feel like that was one of it's symptomatic of a greater pattern of almost human. Um, skipping out on really great chances to do really nuanced modern world building. Like, there's been so many TV shows about androids or robots or whatever, and I feel like Almost Human is trying to depart from that, and it does sometimes really well, but then it also goes too far and then loses itself because it's trying so hard to not tread on old ground. So... That's true. You know, it's really great that so, for instance, um, oh, having watched way too many shows in this category because I'm really interested in artificial intelligence, um, I, I really feel like they were trying really hard not to be, for instance, Battlestar Galactica, which was, you know, a kind of a cult TV show and, you know, not the kind of thing Fox would ever renew for a second season. On the other hand, it had really great character writing and it supported its world building by having really great arcs. And not being episodic, whereas whereas almost human is like, well, I can jump in kind of whenever. Um, I should say both Dorian and Kenex 
have their own sort of character arcs. Not that you need to really pay any attention to them because they don't really seem to matter. Nope. But <laughs> nope. Right, but but they exist, and it's too bad they are not um, worked out. Because I really feel like if the writers wanted us to really care about Dorian as a person, artificial or natural, that's what they should have done. Is gone with his arc and made us invest in him whereas this way we don't have to invest anything and then it's just well thing of the week the end which is kind of tragic because it has so much potential and I really want it to be amazing yeah I think that's like that's sort of the unified feeling about this so I was actually talking with Lepicus before we started recording because she was asking me what the fuck I was doing with my Saturday night And I mentioned that I was going to watch Almost Human, Bray's Short Ribs, and... Oh, sorry. Let me correct that, because it's actually more pathetic than that. I told her I was going to watch Ancient Aliens, Bray's Some Short Ribs, (laughs) and then talk to you about Almost Human. And she and I were both like, oh, man, we wanted to love that show so much, right? Like, it has Mm -hmm. all the ingredients of something that we would adore. And for some reason, I can't even really identify truly what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. It didn't capture my attention the way that I thought it would, right? Like, it had these glimmers of really cool, like, um, what's a really good example of this that I thought was so interesting? Um, So I thought the whole Vero thing was a really good episode. That was actually one of the very few genuinely amazing science fiction stories that they told. Uh, the recap one with the drug for the Chrome Kids. That was really good. Okay, see, I find that interesting because I was in agony trying to get through that episode. I, like, I was so, I I was, like, in physical pain trying to watch that episode. Like, I was, like, this is so fucking boring. And I couldn't tell if it was just because, like, aside from the main cast, like, none of the people they hired in that episode could act their way out of a paper bag or something. But I was, like, what is this? Like, I can barely keep my eyes open. Wow, let's discuss that later. So what episode did you like? (laughs) Um, I really loved the one where they met the other decommissioned DRN. Oh, the the killer bot? No, 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 no. The one, the one that looks exactly like Dorian. Yes, Arrhythmia with the hearts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like what I found really interesting and really beautiful in this show was when they sort of explored the line of what is humanity, right? And more than that, like, what what right do we have as humanity to delineate what is humanity, right? right. So uh, the episode Arrhythmia um, is about uh, Dorian and Kenix running across an android that looks exactly like Dorian because he was formerly a police android, got decommissioned, and has been recommissioned as a janitorial android, right? Um, and Dorian sees him and has this moment of, I, this this is wrong, right? Like, we were built mm-hmm. to be cops. And so, against orders, he basically turns on the android's police circuits again or whatever, and mm-hmm. he has this, like, crazy ride-along episode with them where he tries to be a cop. Um, yes. And I found that entire episode amazing and emotionally crushing because it brings to mind, it brings to bear this question of, you can't, like, who are we to say that you are not allowed to be a police officer, right? Right, Um, Especially if you were built to be a police officer. Like, how can we take away your purpose? But then are you really, like, do you really desire that? You were engineered for that. It creates all of these, like, weird, vast gray spaces and, like, 
are your feelings real? Are they just programmed? Like, there's so many questions inherent in that. And watching Dorian interact with, like, the worst-case scenario of himself after he was shut down and how horrified he was by that experience, like, he genuinely seems to have, like, been scared of that and doesn't want that again. Like, Mm -hmm. that was really lovely and rending. Like, the idea that, like, what is humanity? Where are the borderlines? You know, like, how much do we control? How much do we have a right to tell, like, to say that this, you know, this intelligence that is fully autonomous can make its own decisions and has its own feelings? Like, can we shut something like that down? Or is that murder? Like, that's the sort of thing that I found really interesting when the show did a good job of that. Right. What was the, the sex bot well, episode where they decommissioned the sex bot? I cried. I will tell you, but I have two rejoinders to what you said. Okay. Um... So that's really, so I like that a lot, what you said, and I agree with you, but I have two responses. One is that the other way the episode actually, I feel, brought that home was the, the crime that week was that there was basically um, a person implanting bionic hearts into people yes. for money. And so the show is setting up really beautifully, I have an artificial human heart and I have an artificial robot brain. Is it any worse to shut up one than the other? Yes. And if so, you know, where's the line drawn and how far would you go to save one or the other? And I thought that was a really great parallel and I really appreciated that they did that. That plot was just great. I feel like if I had to pick my favorite episode of the season, that was like the standout for me. That was really great. Yeah. And the other thing, however, is, and this is a writer's fault, I don't know why they brought this in later. Um, Something you find out, major spoiler alert, if you are somehow still listening, is that (laughs) One of the reasons that the commission of the art in line was that even though they were um, made to be in a, in a sense police robots, they were they were very human and they were very emotional, and a lot of them couldn't take being a police officer and kill themselves. Yeah, they refer to the DRNs as quote the crazy ones. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so I thought that was. So I wish they hadn't been like, oh, these are made to be police officers because that kind of oversold their hand. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that little throwaway detail because it does tell you, well, if they are human, well, is it your fault if they kill themselves? Because it brings to mind what I've always thought as like, I think, you know, humans do a lot of hand-wringing over, oh, can I create um, intelligent life? Well, your parents did when they made you. Exactly. Exactly. So, I feel like... But I feel um, like... But I let the intelligence have, have their life. If, you can, if they act like it, then you should let them have the rights and the responsibilities. Of having the, the show, intelligent life. Exactly. And I felt the show really just did not go as far there as they could have. Yeah, because I feel like that was the primary interesting crux of the series, right? Like, even the title of the show, like takes a bow to it, like almost human. Like, where is the line? How are we drawing the line? And these are questions that are going to become more and more meaningful as we move forward. And it does become a grayer and grayer area, right? Like, at some point, we have to sit down and say, like, okay, why is it then when we do the sweaty, gross testicle and vagina thing, that's considered creating a life and that's, like, sacred and beautiful. And, like, Mm -hmm. if I build something out of silicon and circuits and it is as intelligent and feels to the extent that, like, and you can argue that feeling is, like, programming and chemistry, but isn't that just what feeling is with humans? Like, what... Yeah, don't worry. No one else has sentiences yet, so... Yeah, but, like, but it will come. 
eventually it will come. Maybe not in my lifetime, but it will happen. Like, this is the discussion that I found is more interesting. And yes, they did have a couple of, like, intriguing criminal plot lines, but I was just so baffled that this was not the constant preoccupation of the mm-hmm. series, right? Like, th- what episode was it where they had, like, the sex bots and I was just like, creepy, oh, I can't skin. with that. Um, skin. Yeah, it was... That episode was also really interesting to me It in the very closing moments where Dorian was, like, having to decommission the sex bot. Mm-hmm. And yes, just like that was really sad. That was really sad. And I thought that was one of the few moments that actually gave nod to the fact that, like, there is a life there behind the eyes. And, like, I don't know how they did the effects of it. Like, when they went from decommissioning, like, um, having the bot online and, like, mm-hmm. offline, like, the way that the eyes changed was, like, so striking and really, like, resonated with me. And they just mm-hmm. didn't do that enough in the series. Yeah, and you would have thought, you know, it was just her skin that was illegal. They could have just stripped her and gave her a new skin and been like, okay, wake up. Yeah, just why would you take her offline entirely, right? Like, and the skin wasn't her fault. Exactly. It's just, it's like, it's like punishing someone who is a tertiary victim of a crime for having been the victim of a crime. It's entirely cosmetic. I actually don't understand why they couldn't have just removed it and replaced it. I I mean, I I guess they did it just to make me cry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that that is a reason, of course. Yeah, always good. Yeah, but, right, so, to circle back, I guess, right, I feel like, um... The show tried really hard to not be like shows before it that were about androids. Yes. And that's a little unfortunate because it's devolved into just episodic crime drama yeah. with the occasional veneer of sci-fi. And sometimes, you know, more than a veneer, don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed um, the episodes I enjoyed. So, but I can... You know, oh, well, I, how about how about you explain to me? I, I feel since this one is an interesting sticking point, why did you like the Chrome Kids episode so much? Oh, I will. Okay. But before that, I want I I forgot I was going to say this thing, and you can edit this, and you can edit all the crap in between. Um, something I feel unfortunately that this is symptomatic of a greater trend in sci in SFF um, science fiction and fantasy is that a lot of the writers get super caught up in the world building mm-hmm. and then just lose it on the characters because they're in a hurry or they don't, or they just don't care. And then it just becomes, let me explore my concepts for 6,000 words. And the characters are just my vehicles, which is terrible. Right. And, which well, is, I mean, which is, I sim- say, yeah, if you like it, you like it. But well, I mean, it's symptomatic it of boy fiction, right? Like there's entire, like the entire SFF genre has a tendency toward that. Like no greater example of this is than like Tolkien. Yeah. To- I really feel like, yeah, between themselves, Tolkien and Asimov did not do too many favors. Like it's really unfortunate that they were the progenitors because everyone now has to be like Tolkien. And if you don't write 600 pages of world building, you're not a real fantasy author. Whereas I'm like, please just skip that shit. I can't stand it. <laughs> and like, you know, and Asimov famously was like, you know, the prose should be unadorned and should not get in the way of your, should not get in the way of your story. And I'm like, oh my God. So yeah. And that has led to this result that we see today, which is, you know, a total lack of characters that you care about. Yeah. Because you can't love concepts. Well, okay, you can, but you can't hug a concept, okay? Yeah. And you can't cry over a concept. It has to be made human. And I just feel the, the writers totally skimped on that. 
even with so much good potential. I do think that Michael Ely did an amazing job with what little he was given, though. Um, yes. I think that he really knocked it out of the park. Like, even if you think that you probably wouldn't like the high concept of this drama, like, I genuinely endorse and recommend people check out his performance in the episode Arrhythmia, right? If nothing else. Yeah, because it was really good. Because that was such... I love him. Like, I love the way that he played Dorian in this series, and not just because I perv on him, right? Like... <laughs> you said that about so many things. Rupert Graves... I, you know, he's he's good at acting and stuff, but it's also really important. <laughs> like, you know, he's also a silver fox, and that's important to me. But he he just, like, really reached into my chest and, like, twisted at my heartstrings, and I could... Because I feel like it's an amplified version of the larger human question in general, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? And for him, it's even more kind of, it's even more kind of heightened, right? Like, what, like, I had a purpose. I was decommissioned because I wasn't good enough for that purpose. Like, what happens when I die? Like, do robots have a soul? Like, they, my programming says I have a synthetic one. Like, the mm. world seems really scary no matter what toolkit you have in that context, right? And he is, for a robot that can't be murdered, right? He is mm. surprisingly vulnerable, and that made him so lovely to watch when he had those good moments. Yes, but I they totally were, agree. Yeah, but I feel like they were too few and far between during the series. So, now that I um, actually sidetracked, have you seen Battlestar Galactica, any of it, the reboot? Okay, so here's the thing about Battlestar Galactica. Um, I, when I was in, I think it was on the air, like, when I was in college. Okay. And it was, like, the hard sci-fi choice for all of my friends. So, this was during, like, the worst of my hard drinking phase. Surprise! (laughs) Um, So, typical Friday evenings, I would drive over to someone's house. I would drink way too much whiskey. We would watch Stargate Atlantis, at which point... Oh, sorry. We would watch Supernatural, during which I would be the most sober. We would watch Uh Stargate Atlantis, which I would become less sober during. And by the time they put on BSG, which I did not like at all, Uh um, I was blazing drunk. So my memories of BSG are all like me face down on, like, cheap brown pile carpet next to a bag of Doritos. But here's what I do remember out of that series, right? Is that Uh the primary reason that it was so intriguing and it was such a narratively interesting story to people who Mm -hmm. liked it were that it was difficult to say who you were rooting for, right? Is, like, what are the Cylons, Mm -hmm. like, are the Cylons... Well, are they human? Yeah. Are they human? Do they count? Right? Do they, do they count? Like, they have their own sort of, like, spirituality. Like, you know, whatever. I, like, toward the end, hated all the human characters so much that I was basically, like, fuck it, I'm rooting for the toasters. Like, that's oh, yeah. The- I only got through two seasons because I, I actually really hated the mysticism towards the end. But I was only really asking you because of one episode that I really liked, which was, I thought it was really interesting that, that the robots were really religious. Yeah, and, right? And there was an episode where this robot was a fanatic... And he, I, I don't even remember what he wanted, but he was afraid of, um, like, going back on his god. And Starbuck was trying to beat the shit out of him. And at the end, she realizes that he's not afraid to die. He's actually afraid he, his soul won't make it to heaven. And Interesting. after he dies. And then, you know, he is killed. And But he acknowledges her religion, so after he's killed, she, she actually prays for him and says, you know... I pray to all the gods, 
I don't know if he's got a soul, but if he does, can you please take care of it? Well, there's like a whole... Thought, that was really nice. That is that is beautiful. I don't remember this at all. But again, like I said, face yeah, down, carpet, talking. Doritos. But like, yes. you, we could take like a... Like, I could take my like ultra capital A atheism view and be like, part of the reason the robots are so religious is probably the reason people sometimes get so religious because the mm-hmm. idea that there's nothing more than this is really yes. scary, right? right? And like the more evidence we have of that, the scarier it is, the more we cling mm-hmm. to stuff. Like, that's a really cynical view. I don't know if I fully buy into that. Um, but it could be an explanation for why that sort of mysticism actually does make sense in the context yeah. of, like, if you are, you, if you know you're a fucking Cylon, you right. know that you're a robot. This is all there is to you, but maybe there's more. You know, that's, this, that's mm-hmm. the triumph of hope yeah. over circuitry. <laughs> right. So back to what I like, the Chrome Kids episode. Yes. Um... So I like that. I oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we, actually, before we actually talk about yes. the likes, dislikes. So the premise of this episode is that in the beginning of the episode, there is this, like, beautiful orchestral music playing and two kids who are clearly gifted in some way. One is a girl in the forest and one girl is initially doing something you think is conducting until you realize there's no orchestra there. And they're both seeing, like, a bunch of music notes and, like, math shit. And I was already, like, fucking bored out of my mind just looking at this business. And then they both end up dead. And Kenix and Dorian get called out to investigate this. And they find out that they're both chromes who are kids who have been genetically engineered. So chromes um, don't die young because they have all of their potential genetic flaws for disease um, erased. They're all beautiful. And they're all hugely intelligent. So they've... They've already been engineered to be perfect people, even though they are still meat puppets, right? They're not androids at all. They've just been fixed from the beginning. And they go to a very, very specialized academy that is primarily comprised of chromes, and then it becomes this issue because there are two naturals in the class or something like that. And that's the point at which we start the story. Right. And And so I'll just spoil the end for you. The, so all the stuff they saw at the, at the beginning, the music notes, the chemical structures, the math, those were all hallucinations. Those kids were high as kites. <laughs> and basically what happened is that, you know, they, they took a drug and they OD'd on it and they died. And what Kenex and Dorian are trying to find out is who made it and why. And they find out there was a third girl who died who was actually a natural kid. And as you go through the episode, you find out what happened is actually that the girl who took the drug did not overdose, but she took it, and she realized that basically her brain user interface was not the same as the Chrome's. She'd been trying all her life to keep up, to be as good as them, but, you know, this was a clincher that she was not as good as them, and so she actually killed herself. She did not die from the drug. Right. Which, so I found that to be a really interesting science fiction premise, first of all, um, the, you know, what, where's the boundary between an engineered human and, and a natural human. And I also thought it was, you know, kind of going at almost from the other direction. So you can make a synthetic human, but what if you just tune up a natural human? How natural is that? Yeah. Are, you know, what would they fit in your spectrum of androids, robots? They are so artificial, you know? Yeah, they it, making something like that is got to be as hard as making Dorian, and so I would actually say much harder, right? Because with Dorian, you can like swap out the pieces and like yeah. all of this stuff. This has to be very delicate, high wire genetics work done all before, like all in the womb or all before conception. 
Exactly. And so I just found that, so I found that the contrast between, you know, a, I don't know, a silicon synthetic human versus an organic synthetic human, really interesting. I wish they had, of course, harped on it more, like, oh, you're just like me, you're artificial. <laughs> oh, and by the way, one of the cops on the force is a chrome, um, and it's brought up every so often. But anyways, and as a, you know, as a human who tries to be good at what she does, I also found it kind of touching that this person just couldn't deal with knowing that she wasn't as good as she wanted to be or thought she wanted to be. And I thought it was really kind of heartbreaking that, you know, her parents would want to so bad for her to be as good as the Chrome kids and she couldn't handle it and she couldn't do it. And so that just got me in my personal feelings, Aww. I suppose. Which, yeah. So I, I get that. I get that point I of like view. I, 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 okay, now that you've said it that way, it seems slightly less excruciating. Um, <laughs> as an episode, but right, I guess but it like, also calls into you know, are the human? Do the human cops think of themselves as as good as the android cops? Does Dorian think he's better than the humans? All of these things they did not discuss. They they didn't the- address it at all. I mean, like the interesting thing about that perspective, where I think maybe the reason I couldn't access it is. Um, when that girl was like, I'll never be as good as the Chromes, I was just like, why the fuck would you ever, like, why is this even in question, right? Like, those people are essentially, like, specifically engineered. They, right. so one of the things they keep saying, and they never explain to any satisfaction, is that there's a cop on the force, and this is so sad, I don't even remember her name. Do you remember Valerie. her name? Valerie, Valerie on the force. The analyst. The really hot chick that Kenix keeps drooling over. Yeah, she's played by Minka Kelly, completely wasted on the show. Um, hey, she's hot. She is hot, but she's wasted on the show. But she's um, she's a chrome, and like everyone who meets her is like, "You're a chrome. Chromes are never cops." What the fuck does that mean? You know, like what mm-hmm. you've been engineered, so you can't be, be an officer. Like, is that one of those things where it's like a class divide? Like, you're rich, so you wouldn't be in law enforcement. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They never build in like any sort of understanding of like. What is, like, what? What does that fucking mean? Like, because I feel like the other thing that they don't address is that if if we've come to a reality where, like, it's possible to engineer something as perfect as a chrome, mm-hmm. we've engineered out a lot of other problems, right? Like, I doubt yeah. little kids are dying of congenital heart, heart defects as soon as they come out of the womb anymore. We've probably fixed a lot of, like, chromosomal errors and things like that. You know, like, there are a lot of diseases that probably can get fixed now, which means that on a whole, humans have taken a giant step up. So what are the major differences between humans and chromes? Like, chromes are more attractive. Okay, attractiveness is, like, a debatable thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. so what? You're very symmetrical. Congratulations. (laughs) Like, like, and you're very smart. Great. Uh But humans, even without that assistance, have also been geniuses throughout the years. So I completely don't buy the premise of chromes, right? Like, the chrome thing seems like it is just pure vanity because once you have fixed the once you have fixed the medical defects of people, mm-hmm. um, the next the only two things left to fix are intelligence and appearance. So the appearance thing I totally buy that you would try to like make your kid attractive, mm-hmm. but even without assistance, there are plenty of attractive people. And the intelligence thing, I also get that you would try to make your kid intelligent, but even without that, people are still intelligent, you know? And so when they were like, I just can't keep up, I was like, Jesus Christ, like, what are these kids shit gold? I totally (laughs) don't even get it. Like, 
And and to be honest, like, if I'm, like, a natural, I would be like, ew, you're, like, okay, sure, you're good, but the only reason you're good at this is because you're a chrome, right? Like, none of your accomplishments Mm -hmm. mean anything to me, because you didn't earn them. That's not you. That's, like, a scientist who fixed you. That's, like, uh, if I was, like, impressed by Dorian's ability to jump really high, like, I'm uh not. You're a robot. (laughs) Well... I think, right, part of it is, I think it's self-selecting pool. The kind of parents who will want that for their kids have got to be really messed up and also really rich. And I think that's part of the class thing is just, you have, I mean, they say you have to be loaded yeah. to make a Chrome kid. Um, and so I'm sure it's part of it. Like, I want the most perfect things in life, including my kid, which is so humane, by the way. <laughs> um, right? But I think that is part of it. And the other thing is, I don't know, I spent, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, I but, you know, I spent some time in a quote-unquote gifted school. Oh, my God. Um, but there is a lot of a sense of um, when you're the kind of kid who would, end up, who would end up in that kind of place, like, kind of your, your self-worth is in large part based on your abilities, or it can be. And if you see yourself, you know, you were smart enough to get into this Chrome school, but now you're last in your class, it can really be an enormous blow to your self-esteem and I could see it like you know now I have an easy time saying oh well whatever screw you intelligence isn't everything trust me it really isn't right but you know when I was 12 I didn't understand that no I totally get that like that part makes sense but you can only access that through like teenagers are fragile right like don't try to sell it to me that like this girl was like tormented because she just didn't like because of the chrome thing is some sort of systemic issue like Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the issue like if you okay so I will say this without any sort of hesitation I also went to a gifted and talented program excellent Um, yeah and I was like I fucking failed math like two cement like so many years so many years here's a beautiful story guys I once had a physics teacher force me to retake a test because I got a 15 and it was a multiple choice test. And he said it was statistically impossible for me <laughs> to have done that badly. You should have said, I was trying to break your test. That's how smart I am. No, that like 1 million, everyone knew that wasn't the case. When I retook <laughs> the test, it was a 45. So it didn't really help that much, but at least I wasn't, you know, defying math anymore or defying probability anymore. Uh-huh. So nice. like, it's... I, I totally understand what you're saying about, like, being the last in your class at, this, at like, the smart kids table because it, for so long, like, your intelligence is what defines you in a lot of those programs. And it can be absolutely brutal to take a look at yourself and know in letter mm-hmm. grades that you don't measure up. Yeah. But I feel like the way that they tried to put that on the idea of, like, well, you're just a crummy human. You'll never match up to these crumbs is just, like... I don't, like, I have the self-esteem of, like, pond scum, and that is just not a compelling argument to me. Like, it wouldn't (laughs) even feel, it would just feel really weird, right? It's like, I don't compare myself to Deep Blue. Like, why would I? It's like a completely different thing. Like, dogs are really good at smelling. I don't feel bad when I can't find, like, a corpse in the woods. Like, it's just a totally (laughs) different, it's like a totally different thing. Like, I would never beat myself up because... Dorian was able to process information faster than mm-hmm. me. Like, he has, like, a 50 million terabyte processor. I right. can't even add. Like, the we're just parallel tracks. It just doesn't, that part, like, completely didn't make sense to me. Okay. I guess, <laughs> yeah, it, it worked for me. That's okay. what I'm going to say. It also, like I said, it also did not help that, like, those people could not act their way out of paper bag. <laughs> 
That scene, okay, I have to talk about this. That scene where they go to, like, the drug dealer kid's house, Uh and, like, he's acting high as balls, or he's trying Uh to act high as balls. That was was not high as balls. I was like, what are you doing right now? (laughs) Like, have you ever met a human person? Like, is this, what is happening right now in this scene? It was just so comically bad. (laughs) I'm sorry, I was... I was drinking when I watched the episode, I have to admit. So it went adult <laughs> bad acting. It, it was just, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot with this. Okay, I think that we should move on to the sort of the larger topic of how is Almost Human doing and what is its future? Oh, I don't have the ratings up right now, but I, I was looking this up because I was trying to see if it had been canceled yet. So it is on Fox, which is a strike against it in general, um, because they have a terrible history of canceling things. Yes, they do. It was doing well. Um, like it has something like the highest ratings either in its time slot or category or something, but um, it's also running against like the following or something. It's running against something that also has a really high rating and that's been renewed. So people are speculating that they can only have one and so it's going to be almost human that gets cut. That's the latest I've heard of it, but there's been nothing official. Oh, but Fox has not ordered season two so that's also a strike against it being renewed ah gotcha okay so why do we think i feel like this is a show that came in with like it it has everything going for it right like carl urban's a huge star right now Mm -hmm. um thanks in part he's so cute i know thanks in part to the trek series and Um, i wish he had done his accent more in that episode oh my god oh my god that's right there was like 35 seconds of Carl Urban doing his real accent in an episode where they have him in eyeliner, and it was just, like, really good for all of us. <laughs> yes. yes. Carl Urban eyeliner is pretty amazing. And it, his kiwi thing, mm, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty sweet, not gonna lie. Pretty sweet. But then, um, but then they made us listen to American Carl Urban some more. So, uh, yes. I, I guess the question that I have kind of floating around in my head is, why is this show not doing as well as it could? Um, yeah. And... I don't know. Like I'm, I'm always really confused as to what gets renewed and what doesn't get renewed by Fox because I know that Fox has a really bad reputation for canceling stuff, but I feel like that comes from people who are still angry about Firefly because Fox in general will let shows linger and limp on for a long time. Like Mm. fringe, for example. That's true, and Fox does also make Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which has just been renewed for season three. Yeah, so, so like, I feel like a lot of times when people are like, oh, well, it's Fox, it'll definitely get canceled, and I was like, really? Because I watched five seasons of Fringe, and, like, that was a show that was so high concept and weird, and it never did well in the ratings, and it also never really had, like, a super big blockbuster person being the tentpole for that show, unless you want to call Pacey as, like, our super big blockbuster tentpole for the show. So that link that limped on. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think, was assisted by the fact that it won a Golden Globe, though. Mm, okay. Well, it is really good, so I have no complaints here. Yeah, exactly. I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not down on that. But I'm, I think that, I mean, like, just being optimistic, I feel like it might make it. Because it's the lead-in for the following, which is that the big is Kevin Bacon serial killer show. So, like, if the following does really well, like, and it, that gets renewed, which I don't know if it has, maybe they'll keep Almost Human because, like, they just don't really have anything else to put in that time slot that's not, like, gross. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I would like it to be renewed, obviously, but, yeah, I'm not a showrunner. I have no, I have no insight on this, but, okay, the following has been renewed for season three. Um, I just checked. So okay, good. So there's that. 
But yeah, Fox has not said anything about Mustaine one way or the other, which is too bad. I mean, yeah, if it were me, you know, if you brought this story to me at a workshop and was like, "How can I make this better?" I would tell you, "Oh my God, do more character arcs. What is wrong with you?" <laughs> well, I was just talking with Lepigus about this, like I said, and we were saying like, "How would we have made this show more interesting?" I think that it probably would have been more interesting if the show was not from Kenix's point of view, but it was from mm. Dorian's. Like, if the whole show was from Dorian's point of view. Because the moments where that show really shines are when we have mm-hmm. Dorian, who we like, and who is our mm-hmm. le- one of our lead characters, kind of examining, like, what it means to be human, right? And if he was our point of view character, then we could have a lot more of that, Um And I feel like it would naturally lead to some more interesting things because it would force you to imagine, like, how does he interact with the world, right? Like, what does the world look to him? How does he, like, how the fuck does he interact with a car? Like, is a car the way that, like, would a car to him seem, like, semi-sentient because it can make decision-making processes? Like, Well, well, you know he can jack into a car and drive it with his mind. Exactly. But, like, would the car, because it's programmed to, like, be able to do certain things on its own, like cars can parallel park themselves now uh-huh. and stuff like that. Like what would be the ramifications of that? There's, I feel like there are a lot more interesting sort of questions there. If you set the show from Dorian's point of view, although obviously huh. that could okay. potentially make it too difficult, like, and too weird for people to even get into. Right. So I will answer that with something I was just thinking recently. Um, and I will take a diversion that you should probably edit out because it is totally irrelevant to actually almost human. I love diversions. Oh, God. I was talking with someone um, about one alchemist, actually. And I was saying I had this realization that although my favorite character is Roy Mustang... I really enjoyed, by the way, that you got onto Full Metal Alchemist, like, literally a decade. 2014? Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, literally a decade after everybody else was like... (laughs) 2009 is when Brotherhood aired, all right? Anyways, my point is, so Roy Mustang is an awesome character, but if he were your protagonist he would be fucking insufferable because he is that overpowered when he is a protagonist. So you have to have kind of the not the best, although, you know, really awesome, but not actually the most powerful guy and the stupidest guy <laughs> has to be the protagonist. And I feel actually if, he, if almost human were through Dorian, I think he might actually have a similar issue because Dorian is very strong. He is very, very smart. And the only thing that keeps him from being overpowered or Gary Stu is that he is the follower, is that he is not the star, that he does what Kenix tells him to do. And if you had him in the lead and it was all about him, I think actually it would, in my opinion, it would get insufferable really fast. See, I feel like that's one of those things where like the sto- like the writer brain in me is always like, nah, nah, man. Like that is just, I feel like, okay, so to to carry on your diversion, right? Like specifically uh-huh. with Roy Mustang, because uh-huh. that is one that if you know about Full Metal Alchemist enough, you know enough to know that there's more to him than him and his amazing fire alchemy. That I'm right. sorry for everyone listening to this who doesn't watch anime <laughs> and like doesn't know anything about Full Metal Alchemist, but you should remedy that because Full Metal Alchemist is on Netflix and it is one of the greatest like television decisions you can make even if you don't watch like anime you should watch full metal alchemist and you can even be like me and just fast forward through most of it and just watch roy mustang you should not fast forward through most of it i know that roy mustang is your favorite and he's my favorite and i actually own roy mustang gloves but i was gonna i was gonna knit my own actually so i feel less bad now thanks oh my god i was in china in like 2006 
And, like, I was already a grown-ass lady at that point, but I was, like, in a store, and I was like, fuck it, I have to own these. I don't live in this country. There's no shame. So They're, they're for my daughter, clearly. Sure. I'm good. The reason I'm putting them on now is just so I can try them out, right? Yes. Um, at least I didn't, like, wear them everywhere and snap in people's faces when they made me angry, which was tempting, by the way. So yes. The, yes. the premise of Roy Mustang is that he's an incredibly powerful, extremely savvy, really intelligent character, and he is sort of the clockwork god of the series where he's always, like, he's working on, like, a larger political story, right? And he has this, like, crazy, tragic personal backstory with, like, all this, like, sad PTSD and his, like, best friend dies and all this other shit. Right, and all this other shit that you are right would make him an absolute Gary Stew on the surface if you made him the lead character or something, right? But I feel like that would be short-sighted because anytime you delve into a character, anytime you make them the POV character, they instantly, because you're looking at the world through their eyes, they depower themselves. We always feel less powerful and less intelligent and less accomplished than we may appear from the outset. So things that like seem incredible to others, like Roy's amazing fire alchemy is probably just like waking up and putting on pants for him, right? Like he's not going to sit there and be like, I'm fucking baller because I can set this building on fire by snapping my fingers. Like these are not things. I think he is like that, but yes, go on. It's not something that would be in your face constantly. He would not be thinking that he would have a larger thing. And you know what? There's tons of stuff in the political backstory of that where we're not seeing his failures. Like, he's worked himself up to Colonel, but how many avenues have been closed off to him, right? Like, if he's playing politics within the military here, like, there's probably lots of ways in which he's failed. We don't necessarily see that because we view him through the point of view of Ed. And from Ed's point of view, he's insufferable. From his own point of view, I'm sure that he would have his own failings, but Ed would be insufferable. Like, I feel like anytime you write a character, if all they are is a Gary Stu, that is the failure of the writer and not the actual character. Everyone has more layers than that. Like the person I hate most in the world is probably an okay person from an accomplished writer's point of view. And I feel like Dorian, even though he's really physically strong and very, very intelligent, if you wrote from his point of view, he's hugely vulnerable on so many levels, right? Like because his intelligence is expected, he's programmed. His strength is like, whatever he's a cop. He doesn't actually need to like flip a truck that often. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But his vulnerability is that he could be decommissioned at any point, right? His survival is in the hands of people. He can't Mm -hmm. read. He can't get emotional cues off of them really, you know? And he never, and he always seems sort of like wrong footed when he's dealing with Kenix. Like, He's trying well, to be... Well, Kenix is an ass. Exactly. But Kenix is also one of the people who holds the keys to his existence. Mm-hmm. So even though he's super powered, I feel like the show would have enough, like, to sustain mm. itself from a more vulnerable Dorian point of view, if they deci- if they had decided to go that way. Right. I guess, I think this might be where we differ as writers. Like, I see what, I agree with you saying about Roy Mustang, and I mean, I'm writing a fic about the guy, so clearly I don't think he's impossible to write. Yes. Um, But I feel that a good heuristic for me, personally, Mm -hmm. is to never write the story from the point of view of the most powerful character, because at every point you will be like, well, why can't he just break the story? 
I and I guess like that's another element of like you're you're writing very very commonly from like a sci-fi fantasy background, right? Mm-hmm. Where just within the constructs and the basic rules of the world, there is a most powerful character. Yeah. Whereas whenever I write, I'm always always coming at it from a human one, where there is no such thing as a most powerful character, right? Like you can be the most powerful right. apparent character in the world, and someone has always got some shit on you. So no, I totally agree. And yeah. I- you can wow, we can really see this in how we approach both almost human and full metal alchemist. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> yeah, so whereas yeah, I'm always like, no no no, what are and I'm always illustrating the crap through characters, but no, in my mind there are always whenever I'm writing, there are always a, there's always a rule book that I have to play by mm-hmm. and you know, how to exploit it. And that's I actually wish almost human had done more of that. Yeah. Um, agreed. So yeah. I I I want to be I'm going I choose to be optimistic that it will either get renewed or they will renew a certain number of episodes just to see if they can keep it limping along because it would be foolish I feel although obviously television execs are pretty dumb for them to dump a Carl Urban property. I was going to just I was going to say I mean I would say I'm hoping it'll be renewed just because it's Carl fucking Urban he's going to be in how many more movies in the next few years? Four I don't know, million. but a Four good number, million. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, there's another Star Trek movie. I don't know what the hell else he's being, he's going to be in, but he's he's doing really well. Yeah. Um, so, and Fox isn't stupid about their numbers, I don't think, so. I think it's, it's always a funny game, right? Like, because it depends so heavily on what network you're on. Yeah. Like, you know, you could rock supernatural numbers, which are, <laughs> by comparison to the major networks, tremendously awful, right? Uh-huh. But they're going into their 10th season, and the yeah. the person who runs the network is like, they can make that show for as long as they want. And they, like, average, like, 1.5 million a week, which is just goddamn awful, right? Yeah. And then there's, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which seems to have really terrible numbers, until you look at the larger context where they're the only scripted television show that's going up against, like, the larger, like, reality shows and things like that. And it's leading, um, and it's leading in the 18 to 49 demographic. It really, like, if you want to... Oh, you I could, did not know that. Wow. Yeah, it's... Well, I mean, I think it's up... Oh, man, why don't... I don't remember this very well. But their... I think their main competition is NCIS, which is brutal. Oh, yeah, which is brutal. That's brutal. It's brutal. Like, NCIS is still, like, the most popular show on television. And it's yeah. brutal to compete against NCIS. But um, S.H.I.E.L.D. is pulling it out within the 18 to 49 demographic. Damn. Yeah, or at least sometimes it is. I don't I don't yeah. remember the numbers that well. So, like, do you want to keep renewing this pro- property? Like, it, I'm sure that if you took a deep dive into Almost Human's numbers... Um, it's probably doing really well in some capacity, right? Like maybe with DVR numbers, it's doing great or something like that. And it's just, it's all amount, it's all comes out to calculus. And I can only hope that Carl Urban's hotness and Michael Ely's like beautiful, soulful gaze is enough to keep it going. But on the off chance, God forbid, it isn't. Do you feel like the episode that aired as the season finale does us justice as a series finale. So I feel they tr- they were like, oh, it might be canceled. Let's pull out a few character moments this episode, and whatever, I fell for it. Okay, I right. really enjoyed it. So I will I'll summarize it. Mm-hmm. The premise, the wraparound premise, or the framing device is that um, Dorian is being renewed or is being reviewed for 
I guess, to be re-upped for the next year, much like all other police officers probably get their annual review too. And so he's being put in front of a panel of various judges or whatever, and they're asking him how he's doing. And then they also, and then they throw him out, I think. And then they ask all the other cops what they think of him. And so Dorian's very nervous. And he goes to Kenex, who feeds him all this bullshit about how he's like, oh, I told, I told him how you scanned my balls and <laughs> were inappropriate to me in a cop car. And Dorian's like, oh, And you, like, God. showed me your penis and all this other stuff. Yeah. And then the actual plot was very angelic lair, actually. Um, We're going to go so full anime with this. Yeah, I guess I'm on that mind track, but isn't that kind of the plot is there's a computer guy trying to build a human nervous system because his wife is, like, paralyzed? And this is a similar story. Like, it's so it's a guy who's stealing bodies so that he can fix his bionic body because he has a neurodegenerative degenerative disease. Anyways, unimportant, actually, to the whole thing. Weirdly um, unimportant to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it was clearly like, let's just pull something out of the drawer and, like, smash the character plot into it. So they solve it, the end, and then um, it turns out Dorian, so Dorian is called back into the committee, and there's a really hilarious moment where... Oh, they, that was really unsettling. <laughs> yeah, Dorian's like, I'm so worried. What if they hate me? And they say, well, you know... Cops love MXs. Why don't you act like one? And Dorian it has the ability to put on any, like, voice he wants. Yeah. And so he walks in and, like, the statistical probability of blah, blah, blah is this percent, five decimal places. And the guy goes, why, are you, why the fuck are you talking like that? And Dorian's like, well, I thought you liked that. And the guy's like, whatever. But don't worry, you've been renewed. And then we cut to Dorian and Kenex talking, and Dorian's like, you know, you said such nice things about me, and Kenex's like, no, it's all bullshit. I swear, <laughs> I don't have any feelings. I'm a, I'm a, tra- I'm a traumatized veteran cop. And so Dorian begins reading off the nice things he said, ending with, um, "Is it really true that I'm the only reason that, like, you still want to be a cop?" And Kenneth is like, and turns away. Yeah, he's but, like, oh my what? god, let's not talk about this. But hey, you know what? I'm weak to that. So I smile really hard. And you know what? If this was a finale, fine. You can go out on that note. I'm not going to cry too hard. Yeah, you know, I sort of agree with you on that. I Although I do find it really funny that you just completely skipped the... Kenix's father thing because originally I was like I was like did they talk about this before like did I just totally fucking miss this or did they just decide to incorporate it like super last minute and I couldn't so tell they do a lot of one word throwaways in the early episodes like they they're like oh the wall one word first episode and like five episodes, five episodes later oh the wall and you're like when was this I still don't know what the wall is I I don't either. I'm guessing it's some kind of Luddite um, barrier, personally. But, you I, know, I bet they were holding off a season two. And who knows if we'll find it. But, yeah, yeah I skipped the dad plot. Because as cool as it was, it had no relation to anything. Yeah, absolutely. It was just like, you're right. It was an absolute grab bag of like, oh, crap. We want to establish, like, these three character things. Someone find, like, a storyline we had previously shelved. Let's, like, shove this shit all in together. Exactly. Which is, you know, okay if you're writing a one-shot short story, but less good if you're writing a running serial where the whole point is you play off what you've done before. <laughs> like, it's this is not Seinfeld where there's no hugs and no lessons, right? This right. is, we've moved, we, we've evolved beyond that now. 
Yeah, I hope so. Well, right. I like my shows to evolve beyond that. Not that I don't love Seinfeld, don't get me wrong. I don't know. But just the, the models of development. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Although I have to say, like, I finally reached a point in my life where I'm not ashamed to say that, like, I thought Friends was so much funnier than Seinfeld ever was. Um, well, I've never seen Friends. How? Have how have you managed to avoid it? I told you I was raised under a rock. Well, it was a very scientific rock. You've done well with yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my unemployment check and I will salute that. Indeed, indeed. Uh, enjoy that while you can, because, you know, you'll be, you'll be back at work with the rest of us sad humps very soon, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, so, I, overall, if people are listening to this just out of curiosity, uh, and they haven't watched the show before, yet. oh my god, if they haven't watched the show before, or if they watch maybe, like, one or two episodes and decided not to, st- not to keep going, what would you recommend? Should they pick it up? So, I think it depends on the reason they stop watching. Mm-hmm. If you don't like it because it's not archy, then forget it. It's not going to happen ever. Um, if you stepped in at a bad science episode, which there are many of, um, then, yeah, try another. There's genuinely good sci-fi in this show. And, you know, you if you got a bad one, Law of Averages, you'll get a better one in the next one. Right. Um, if you stop it because you didn't like the characters, that's harder to say. Like, I'm okay with them. And I even enjoy watching them most of the time, but right. it depends on your taste. So, Prue, you take that one. I would say, I mean, it hurts me to say this, but I feel like if the if the premise didn't catch you, the characters are not going to help you as much as they should for you to cling on to it. So, like, if you are fully, oh, and we totally didn't even talk about this, but, like, if you are all about, like, fucking robots, right, which I am, like, not, like, which I cannot, which I cannot do. Like, I am not about fucking robots. Like, and we could have, like, a a years-long discussion about how, like, I fully believe, like, Dorian to be a sentient being capable of making his own choices. Yeah, but we why have a whole podcast about artificial intelligence if you wanted, but yeah, that's not this podcast. Exactly. Which but I how I still don't believe that in the context of the show he can make he can provide informed consent if you wanted to bone him. Mm-hmm. Um if you were all about like robot fucking, there are people out there who are <laughs> writing like Dorian Kennicks. Right? Yes. I haven't read it but I know it's there. It's I took there. The yesterday just to make sure. Oh Good. Thank. Thanks. You know. Thanks, Internet. So, like, you could you could definitely write it up from or read it or watch it from a slash perspective because there is fertile ground there for you to. Oh, I mean, he scans the guy's balls. How he much does. Do you need? He scans That's like the... a come hither. Oh, that is the grossest come hither. <laughs> um, he also scans scans on Kenix's bed. Remember? He does. I mean, like, and canonically speaking, like Kenix. I mean, Dorian has scanned Kenix's balls. And Kenix has seen Dorian's penis. And it was, they were sitting in a car. Like, yes, super, yes. like, he exposed, he exposed himself in the car. <laughs> just to prove that he has a penis and that it functions. On that alone, you could build a slash pairing. But, like, they, they do have these lovely moments together. So, like, if, alright, if you need a slash pairing that's, like, hot right now, go for uh-huh. it. Yeah. Um, but if you're not interested in the high concept... I think that the characters are not going to be enough to keep you interested in the show. Yeah. So I would, I agree with you. I would give, 
here's what I would recommend. If you've not seen the show before and you're thinking about giving it a shot, I would watch the pilot just so that you have the context. And then I would watch Arrhythmia just so that you can see the show at its best. And if those two really, really work for you, check out the rest of it. Maybe you'll get something out of it. But if they don't, like, you know, it's fine. Go watch Full Metal Alchemist instead. Yes. Or if you're into this, like, whole concept of, like, um, artificial intelligence and souls, uh, Aya, you had actually mentioned a couple of, like, interestingly, anime premises that might be intriguing for people to check out. A lot of anime have dealt with this as well. So the there's a cult classic called um, Serial Experiments Lane. So was, weird. Yeah. So weird. Uh, <laughs> was so good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, yeah. But I guess I will just—I will sort of vaguely spoil it for you in that um, it's really about um, a person who is an entirely engineered consciousness. Like the whole premise is that the entire world, the physical world, has melded into the electrical world because in your brain you are basically a mass of circuits, mm-hmm. and so perception is reality. So what if? You know, the internet gets big enough that just your brain can basically become the internet by being electrical. And then somebody engineers a person who is nothing but electrical signals. And it is really trippy. It moves kind of slow. But if you're into, like, AI stuff, definitely watch it. Um, Now, we go to the opposite end of the spectrum for if you're super into Moe... um, Clamp wrote an infamous series called Chobits. Oh my god, so fucking infamous. Yeah. On the other hand, the entire concept also is this. And it's basically, there's a line of, um, they're called Persicoms, I think. Yes. Um, and they're basically cat girl robots. Or they can be in whatever model you feel like, really, but... Just whatever um, pervert model your yeah, pervert heart needs. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's about... Um, the quest, really, of one of them to be calm or to consider herself sentient. And she kind of does it by finding love. But, you know, there are philosophical discussions. And she is a replacement daughter for, the main, for like, one of the side protagonists, that kind of thing. But we have to, um, we have to like, before anyone, like, looks up Chobits and finds how beautiful the art is and thinks that they <laughs> should, like, read this, we have to, like, I'm totally fucking spoiling a lot of this for people. Oh, go for it. But we have to address the fact. That basically, like, maybe my reading of this was completely incorrect because I was so angry at the end of the series, I think I threw uh-huh. the manga across the room. Uh-huh. So tell me whether or not I was crazy. But, like, robots have a reset button, basically. And it's, and it's up there, yes. Yes. And, like, the premise of fucking Chobits is that her reset button... Is up her vajingo, yes. I, I don't know if it's up her vajingo or, like, is her clitoris. Do you know what I mean? So, like, basically, you can't fuck her unless you want to reset her. I actually, so I took the reading that... The fact that like, we have to have this conversation is so clamp, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah, her soul is in her vagina. Like, how much world clamp can you get? Yeah. But, um... <laughs> The reading I took actually was that um, you're you're not supposed to do it without her consent, and so she lets if she wants someone to do it, then she like gets her soul. But if she doesn't, she just shuts that off, which is how she was at the beginning. Um, because he has to reach up there to turn her on in the first place. So yes, 
But yeah, then, like, that was my reading was like a really bizarre metaphor for consent and a really creepy model. Yeah. But the art is gorgeous. Have to admit that. The, the art is really beautiful, but in case you're looking for, like, two people to have an interesting dynamic relationship, don't look <laughs> here. She talks like a toddler, and she has cat ears. And, obviously, her aunt switches in her fucking lady parts. So, like, just keep that shit in mind when you decide yes. to go into this. This dark goddamn <laughs> hole. Fucking clamp. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know what they... They do so many weird things. I can't even... So weird. I mean, to follow it up with one of my recommendations, like, this is also manga anime. I would recommend the manga over the anime, and this is very, very dark. Um, There's a series called Saikano. It is is a war story, and it is kind of a story about... It is very bleak. It is a war story, and it's a story about a girl slowly losing her humanity. And the premise is that there's a huge bomb that explodes somewhere in Japan. And as war breaks out, the government had decided that the only way to save the nation is by implementing the Japanese or Japan self-defense forces, which is essentially like they take this girl and, uh, slowly convert her from a girl into a weapon. And the entire series is that, the entire series is her slowly losing, losing her humanity. And it's one of the more interesting views of this because uh, the story is told from the point of view of her boyfriend and it's told through flashbacks and excerpts because she's left her diaries and it's told in the context of she loved him so much and she's losing pieces of that as she becomes more and more of a weapon. So like, if you want to look at something about like, what is humanity? Like this is super dark and I cried a lot as I read it. Um, but it was really interesting and I thought it was a million times smarter than Chobits ever was. <laughs> that doesn't take much. Yeah, that's uh, true. But that's very I, true. I'll look into it. That actually sounds interesting to me. And I'm, as you know, really into AI as a concept, both yeah. in real life and in sci-fi. So yeah, you should check it out. I don't know if it's everyone. I don't know if it's everyone's um, cup of tea because it is really dark and very, very upsetting. But... I'll just spoil myself on TV tropes first. That way, <laughs> good, I'll be fine. good, good. Uh, but worth a check out if it sounds sort of up your alley. Um, I do. We have any recs for this? Because I don't read in this fandom. Like I basically just watch the show and like yell uh-huh. when they try to have plots instead of just showing me Dorian being amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, as I said, I skimmed AO3, and there's, okay, I don't want to insult anyone, so I'm not trying to say everything sucks or something, but I didn't really read anything very carefully. There's definitely fix, and there's fix with, you know, a few 10,000s of hits, so clearly there's good stuff out there, popular. Um, but it's not really, like, I guess that neither you or I have been inclined to read in this fandom. Like, the thing is, for me to really care about a fandom as fic material, either the world building has to be fucking amazing, or the characters have to be fucking amazing. Right. And sadly, like, the tech actually could be really good in the series, but <laughs> I, they, they never went far enough. I'm trying to think of a show where, that, where the world building wasn't enough for me to do lots of stuff with it. Uh, nothing's coming to mind right this second, but, yeah, I, I just really, it doesn't make me feel, like, sad or, you know, good. Like, I, I admire some of the stories Mm -hmm. as interesting takes. I'm intellectually 
stimulated, but not really emotionally stimulated, and that's what it takes to get me into a fandom. Agreed, agreed. I would, I would co-sign that 100%. And um, I don't know. I think, I think that's all there is to say about this until we find out whether or not we get that second season. Right. Oh, wait, I guess um, I should say, yes, now I thought of it. The Matthew Swift series, that's the one where the characters were total cardboard, but the <laughs> one author in the world who had... She really shitty the characters, but his world building was actually so good that I was like, oh, fuck, I have to write this. And the solution to that is, of course, to import a crossover. So naturally. I brought Sherlock, and that was that. So. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. Good for you. Um, all right. I think that wraps us up for this week. Aya, thank you for joining me on this very silicon-based journey of discovery. And thank you for having me. This was really great. It's always a joy to talk AI with you. All right, guys, we will catch you on the flip side. Um, let us know your thoughts about Almost Human, and uh, we will retweet them on our tum- Tumblr. We'll retweet them on our Twitter account. Um, in the meantime, during the week, if somehow you miss us, you can catch us on Twitter at Slash Report, on Tumblr at Slash Report. Have a great week, everyone. Yes, have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. I mean, I'll never have a lawn. I live in New York. I assume in 10 years I'll be living in a box, like a refrigerator box in an alley. (laughs) So until next week, we will catch you up. So until next week, have, I can't fucking think of a closing. What is wrong with me? That's hilarious. Thank God for editing. (laughs)